Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. This is the Believe in Bears podcast on the Believe Podcast Network. What is up, Believers, and what is up, Bear Down Nation? I am Cameron Lee. And I am Joy Christopoulos, and today's Week 6 Victory Pod is brought to you by BetOnline.ag. Football is back. It's back, all right. And look, you might not be at the game this year, but you can still be in on all the action at BetOnline. Like, maybe you had the Bears on the money line against the Panthers in Week 6. And from game spreads and totals to team player and coaching props, BetOnline gives you more options to wager than any place online. And there's always that online casino as well. It never closes. So head to BetOnline.ag today and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses again betonline.ag and sign up today bet online your online sportsbook experts cameron week six bears panthers it was comfy it was cozy it was the game that i wanted a boring game and then they just had to make it close in the end but bears win 23 16 they're now five and one we did it that third quarter baby it came all the way we were 13 minutes and 18 seconds in i believe when they finally finally took a qb sneak from Nick Foles, the history teacher, they got it done. They scored in the third quarter. They pulled out a victory. Man, I am, I'm on the fuller coaster, baby. I told you on the pre-pot, I'm going to get a little meatball here. That defense looked awesome today. There were touchdowns getting called off the field. We've seen that before. We were seeing takeaways. We were seeing sacks. Guys getting hit hard. Roquan Smith blowing up screen passes. The D looked awesome today. The defense is fun, and the offense is not but that's okay i mean you know they keep coming back to this every time you watch these games on and uh, you hear a lot of people talk about the the, the 4 and 0 and 5 and 0 teams the undefeated teams and the teams that are scoring record amounts of points and how this is an offensive game and people kind of discount and discredit the bears because they think that they're not in that elite conversation because they're not scoring the points but ultimately it doesn't matter how many points you score if you win the game and the Bears have won five games, and they've done it in a matter of uh, uh, different ways. And, you know, if this defense keeps playing at this level, I mean, who's to say that they're not an elite-level team when they, you know, continue to go out and win like this? Bears played with the lead for most of the game for the first time all season long. Went up 7 nothing. Eventually, we're up 20-6. to Panthers came back and scored, made it a 20-13. to Bears, great drive, added another field goal to make it 23-10 to at that point, 23-13 uh, at that point, and then they were able to hold on for a 23-16 win. So let's sort of walk it back real quick. Let's start at the beginning of the game. Panthers get the football. Just a, a great defensive sequence. A sack here and almost a safety there. An How is that not a safety? I Well, because he, he made contact with him outside of the end zone. So forward progress takes over from there, which is how forward I progress on the quarterback. We're going to get into a lot of calls, I think, in this game. And I want to ask you a couple of questions about some some dubious actions by the by the referees today. But interception bears get it in the red zone. And then let's just get right to a great catch by Cole Komet in the end zone. You called it. He showed up this week on the very first drive, I believe, in the second pass of the game. Great catch of the first professional touchdown. It was time. It's We've been talking about Cole Komet for a while. We've heard Matt Nagy say we're going to get him in the offense. We're going to get him involved. We've seen, you know, some drop passes from Demetrius Harris. We've seen Jimmy Graham get force-fed. When is when are we going to see this Cole Komet? You know, when are we going to see this the second-round draft pick, this player that, that we're all about? And finally, he makes his appearance and uh, his, his emergence here, if you will, in his first career touchdown. And it was a great play. And hopefully there's a lot more of that to come for base fans. You would think that it was just going to open everything up offensively. It didn't really happen about 
it quite like that. We're going to go into our keys from the preview pod, but one of the keys you were talking about, for God's sakes, get the running game going. Let's be honest. I don't even think they took the keys out and put it in the ignition to even get it going. I felt like it looks like our running game moving forward is going to be the short passing game. Cameron, what did you see? Are you seeing the same thing? We didn't even attempt to really run the ball in this game. I'm done. I'm done with it. I've I've ran it into the ground the last four or five, six weeks, whatever it's been, saying run the ball, run the ball, run the ball. And the Bears, Matt Nagy, they've just decided to to blow me off. They don't want my advice. So they have, uh, they've definitely pivoted. There's no longer making this concerted attempt at running the ball. We didn't see nearly as many touches for Cordero Patterson. We didn't see them try to uh, to establish this style of rushing attack. They've kind of turned into a short passing game on those early downs in those three, four, five-yard passes to David Montgomery, to Allen Robinson, uh, to Darnell Mooney. Those are sort of the – that's the first down play, if you will. Uh, and so – I guess if it if it's working, you know, we can't complain about it. But, you know, I I still want to see the running game, but they don't seem to care what I want anymore. And let's just hit it. I'm going to call my MVP of the game right now, Cairo Santos. The dude was hitting lasers out there today. And, again, something that is slowly creeping up and becoming a pattern. The Bears in a two-minute offense, especially with Nick Foles, a quarterback, there's some efficient football going on. It just sort of feels like that's when he can get on a hot streak and just start slinging it. He really put together a nice drive at the end of the half. And then Cairo Santos hitting a 55-yard field goal at the end of the half. That is just something that Bears fans don't get a chance to see often. We've wanted for such a long time to have some sort of amount of consistency and confidence, and you know that, hey, we've made it to the 30, the 40. Hey, we're at least going to get something out of this drive because the Bears have so much trouble getting the ball in the end zone. So you at least want to have the kicker, right? And we, today it seems like, hey, Cairo Santos, he might be a, a competent and sufficient kicker. And just knowing that, hey, we can get down to this end of the field and we're going to put something on the board, even from 55. They said that was tied for the third longest kick in Bears history. That's right. We're getting – I don't know if that's a – I guess that's a special teams record. We're, we got to celebrate the little things. So long kicks, long kicks, baby. Points on the board. It's unbelievable. He was drilling the ball out there. I mean, he had the he had the driver out, and he was just crushing it down the fairway all game. I mean, and this is something that we bring up over and over again. It's it's etched into Bears lore, the kicking problem. And just for today, I think Cairo Santos, I think it's his job moving forward. Eddie Pinero's groin or whatever's going on with him is going to have to take a back seat because I think Cairo Santos proved today that he's our kicker moving forward. Is that safe to say? There's only going to be one of them on the field. You have to... He's not going to get the chance to surpass him. You know what I mean? Cairo Santos has to lose the job. And, you know, he's done a, he's done a fair job. And if he's able to continue to, to kick at this rate, I'd, I'd say, yeah, it's definitely his job moving forward. But uh, we want to we want to wish a speedy recovery to uh, Eddie Pinero's groin. Obviously, big, <laughs> lots of love and tender care for Eddie Pinero's groin. Groin injuries are scary, aren't they, Joey? Shout out to the G R O I N <laughs> down in Eddie Town, man. Get well, get safe. <laughs> We're all thinking about you. I got a lot of questions about Matt Nagy's play calling in this game. I know that we won, but it's fair to be critical and have some criticisms. Let's go to the first one. The Bears, they cause a fumble. They're in the red zone again. And then automatically Nick throw, Nick Foles throws a pick. A, why aren't you running the ball there? Do you like that decision? And, and can you break down what just happened on that throw? Because it just didn't look like a good throw. The throw is bad. The throw is bad, but I there was also a breakdown in protection that was pretty brutal too. Saw that one pretty quick. You know, I, I can't harp on the running thing again and again and again and again. They don't do it. They don't do it. They don't care to do it. If it, you know, so I, I'm not gonna just 
stand here and say that, yes, they need to come out and run the ball in that situation because they don't run the ball in clear cut running situations. They ran the ball on, on the, or they threw the ball in the third down situation when we're just trying to ice the game. So, you know, I, I'm going to throw that aside. I don't know what is the right decision there. Uh, on that particular interception, I'm not going to, I mean, Nick Foles needs to know better than to throw the ball up like he did. I'm also going to throw a little bit of, uh, I mean, a lot of, I guess, the blame, if you will, that goes on the offensive line. Breakdown and protection uh, by my man, Shad Coward, who got the start at the left guard. It wasn't Alex Bars this week. Um, and Shad actually played a pretty pretty good game, but there was definitely a breakdown there. And you saw it was a situation where you saw the floodgates open up. And my man, Nick, when he uh, when he has to run, he looks a little bit like uh, like your dad or your uncle running around the yard trying to chase your dog when he gets out. You know, he just does not, he's just not elusive, does not move well. And as he's like scrambling for his life, like, you know, I'm thinking just, just go down or throw the ball out. Don't, don't do what you're about to do. And he just did. And we all saw it coming. It was a bad move, bad throw. Yeah. When the little toddler starts running away uh, towards the danger zone of the playground and the dad has to make a quick move and he remembers that his knees are still his knees. Yeah. there's (laughs) There's no more pop anymore that's happening. And, and Nick Foles, you know, was able to make a couple of good throws and and get hot at times. You know, he did take some big hits in that game. Uh, was that a little bit of the product of the offensive line? Or is that Nick Foles, who's typically a guy who just sits in the pocket and will wait till the very last second, willing to take that hit to be able to complete a pass? Well, offensive linemen, obviously, you know, at some point in the game, you're going to give up hits. And the Bears, like, let's be real, the Bears don't have the best offensive line. I, some of that, yes, that just happens. But no, Nick Foles is the type of guy who reads the reads the field very well will stay in the pocket longer than some guys will and he's a big, big vulnerable his, history teacher as i like to call him back there he's going to get hit sometimes so i think that there's a trade off to that you know like part of it you're going to get hit and it's going to get hurt but also he's going to stand in there and make some throws and deliver some throws especially like we saw uh in his first game against Atlanta where he sat in the pocket and took a couple blows but delivered some incredible passes there's some give and take there. That's just going to happen. That's a product of, of you know, being in there and being in that situation and being able to make those throws. So here's my question for you revolving around Matt Nagy. Let's cut it to 746 left in the fourth quarter. Bears got the ball. Opportunity to really eat some clock. You know, the Panthers have struggled all day scoring the football. They've moved it a bit, but, you know, you're up a touchdown at this point. Give the ball to Montgomery. Great run on the first down for nine yards. Picks up the first down on the second down. And then two out of the next three plays, Matt Nagy calls a throw, uh, you know, calls for a pass on that particular play. Doesn't work out. Panthers get the ball back, and then all of a sudden this game gets really interesting. So my question for you is, you know, in the postgame, Matt Nagy is going to say, I want to be aggressive at that point. I want to go out and I want to win the football game right then and right there. But can you just philosophically answer for me, what is the difference between aggression and confidence? Because in my opinion, aggression is just something that you say. It's a buzzword when you don't trust other facets of your offense. And that could lead you to looking less intelligent than you probably are when you're starting to do the math, you're starting to realize that the game is in your hands. And if you have confidence, even if you're not running the ball well, well, you're going to give it to Montgomery. And Montgomery looked like he just started to maybe gain some momentum and he bailed from it. So what's the difference between aggression and confidence in a coach? I think aggression can sometimes be unwarranted and can be almost dangerous if it's not wielded properly. And that's not to say that Matt Nagy doesn't know what he's doing or that it was a bad call, but there are times when we've seen it late in games where it's like, man, 
that may not have been the best case, the best way to handle your clock management to handle you know these timeouts or or things like of the of that nature and you're right late in the game is when we actually saw this running back sort or this running game sort of coming together and so you want to see you know, maybe just run the ball a couple times, see if we are able to, um, you know, put something together. In a worst case scenario, you've run the clock and you put your defense back out on the field and we know what this defense can do. I understand wanting to come out and throw the ball and be aggressive, if you will, but it's a little bit risky and I'm not sure that it was worth it in that situation. So to me, the confidence versus aggression um, question, I guess confidence is something that has some merit and can be backed up and you have like kind of the empirical evidence saying like hey you know this is uh this is us doing something that we know that we can do and having success and it's established whereas the aggression may have just been like i'm i'm taking a chance here i'm, I'm just going out there on a limb and, and i believe that i can do it but maybe there wasn't the evidence to get to back that up and you hit on something that's a really good insight where maybe it's a, a factor of Nagy has more confidence in his defense. Therefore, he has to be aggressive with his offensive play calling in those situations because he does not trust his running game. Fast forward to the next drive. Bears get the ball back. Only run 15 seconds off the clock. They get a six-yard run from Montgomery. They get it to third and three. And then on third and three, they you know force a ball to A-Rob on a crossing route. Yes, great. You could probably complete that pass. But again, that's not trusting that your offensive line and your running game can pick up three yards in that critical situation, burn those timeouts, and then the defense doesn't even have to worry about it. And it just sort of, you're just starting to see where Nagy's allegiances lie in which areas of the game he trusts and which areas of the game he knows he needs to maybe do things maybe aggressively, a.k.a. unconventionally. That's the situation, too, where I'm getting the most concerned. You know, right now the Bears are 5-1, and one, and... They've been able to have success without really having much of a running game. And we've talked about how they're going to the that short passing game time and time again. But when it's nut cutting time, if you will, and it's third and one, third and two, third and three, and we gotta ice the game, we wanna take time off the clock, you know, that's when you you have to be able to run the ball. You know, like we said, even if they come up short, even if they come up short, force the defense to take a to call a timeout. You know, that's a huge part of this time management part of this game. And if we cannot do that, you know, better team, we're going to face better teams than the Carolina Panthers that will take advantage of that mistake. And that's no disrespect to what we saw from Teddy Bridgewater in this offense, but better teams will take advantage of that. And so that that's, that's something that really concerns me moving forward is like, fine, I'll concede that you're not going to be the running team that I thought maybe they were talking about being at the beginning of the season, we saw the carry disparity this week from 19 from David Montgomery and one carry for Cordero Patterson. So they're out. There is no, they're, they're not doing it. Check, please. Yeah, right. So, Check, please, so, on the running game. But we do continue to see it later on in the games. They do find an ability to run, to run the ball. They did it today, and we're doing it well in the fourth quarter. I want to see you have the confidence, I guess, that you – that's kind of what we're talking about, you know. You're, you're saying that you're being aggressive by throwing the ball to Allen Robinson. What about having confidence in in this team and, you know, finding a way to get that first down because that's the – I think the most efficient way of putting a game putting a game out of reach is to not only get the first down but to get it on the ground. And like we said, if you absolutely fall up short, fine, but make them call that timeout. Be smart with that. Be smart with that because better teams will take advantage. And to look at it from a different angle – Another way of saying aggressive is that, 
hey, we're coming out here and we're having a commitment and a conviction to our running game. We are going to figure this out. This team, we believe in this unit and this opponent, the Panthers, let's be honest, not a great defensive line. The stats back that up and we are going to make it happen. I thought David Montgomery had some nice runs, but it just didn't seem like that they really wanted to feed him at any point in the game. They were always ready to kind of bail out and get back into the spread it out shotgun action. And you brought up a really great point. And here's what I'll say prefacing that is I truly believe now that we can talk all we want about Trubisky versus Nick Foles, what they bring to the table, what they don't bring to the table. But Nick Foles is the quarterback for this football team right now in my eyes. The defense has proved that they are legit. So what do we need? We need a veteran quarterback. Make a couple of plays here and there. Make a couple of great calls on the on the line of scrimmage and just manage the action. I truly believe in that. But what has also happened is you brought it up last week. This offense is now more one-dimensional than ever. We do not have the luxury to be one-dimensional. We have to be versatile. We have to keep the defense on our heels. And if we're going to use these skill players in this skill set, we have to have a little bit more of a variety. And I'm just fearing that that one dimensionality is going to bite us coming up in some game. I think we're going to have to like really look hard in the mirror at these tough opponents coming up. Cause one of these defenses is really going to give us a hard time. And we're going to have to ask ourselves questions of, you know, can, how far can we go if we continue to play like this on offense? I think that's a great question. And cause right now, you know, we talked about when you bring in Nick Foles, you're bringing in a commitment to throwing the ball downfield, to being aggressive, to to beating teams with a passing attack. I mean, when you look at the stat line right now, you know, Nick Foles played an all right game. They won the game. You know, we can be happy with all that, but our longest pass, our longest completed pass today was 23 yards. You know, no receiver had more than we had a Rob at just over 50 yards. So, I mean, this we're not exactly seeing this like downfield vertical threat. And we're not having a rushing attack. So, you know, it's like I said at the top, you got to be satisfied when you get wins. We're happy that this defense is as good as they are, that they give us opportunities to win games. But again, the Carolina Panthers are not a, a scary football team really by any means. And I think that they've got to at least have the passing attack. That's the point of Nick Foles. And I'm not trying to bring this back to Foles versus Trubisky. We're past that. We're, we're past that uh, a few weeks now. But this is something's got to give. Something has to give, you know, anywhere. I, I, I don't know what it is, but I, I just really thought that this, this passing attack would be better off. And uh, I'm not seeing it right now. And that is somewhat concerning for, uh, for us Fairs fans. There's a little bit of a conservative nature to it right now where it sort of feels like Nick Foles is the point guard and he's just going to diagnose and just dish the ball out. And maybe take, I can't wait to watch the All-22 and take a look and see, you know, four or five maybe hits. Take four or five shots in a game and see if you can connect on three or four of them and see what you go. I just thought we would be taking more of those. I, when I'm saying three to five, I thought with Nick Foles, we'd be looking more like eight to ten. Really blow it out, but you're still kind of seeing the same stuff. You know, the hike quick pass to Anthony Miller, you know, the, the quick swing pass that goes nowhere. You're still seeing kind of the, some of the same route concepts, some of the same calls. And so let's look at a bit of a broader aspect here with this Bears win. Let's start with the offensive side of the ball. Cameron, I don't know about you, but I'm good on Demetrius Harris, man. I'm good. I'm good. I'm out. Check, I'm please. Out. <laughs> I'm good, dude. And look, if you want to hit him once or twice a game, I get it. But three, four, five targets, counting on him. He had a couple drops in this game. They keep looking for him. And I understand that 
you know, they're really forcing this two tight end offense right now, this look off of Jimmy Graham to the other guy. But honestly, the Demetrius Harris experiment is not working for me. I would rather see Cole Komet on the field. And it's just, it's, it's enough already. I'm done. I'm done with him. Dude, do we have to even have this conversation? I mean, he goes out there a couple times a game and look, I mean, I understand how tough it is to, to come into the game and just, and just bits and pieces time and go out there and try to make plays. But man, you, you only get so many chances at this. And I feel like we see him drop a pass every single game. Something's off. Something's not there. And I mean, it would be one thing if he was the clear cut number two, but he's not there. I mean, there's, there's a reason you go out and you get Cole commit and you bring in Jimmy Graham. Like he, he, we don't need him there. You know, it's just like opportunities that are, that could be going elsewhere. And we're just like force feeding it to, you know, a player with, I don't know. Does he have higher upside than I realize? Like, this is not a, a this is not a Demetrius Harris bashing session. I just don't know why we're giving him all this this opportunity when you've got Cole, Cole Komet. That's what he's there for. That's why we drafted him to to get those opportunities. Well, and if Anthony Miller can disappear in a game for making a mistake, Demetrius Harris can disappear in a game for making a mistake. That's how I'm kind of viewing it. And I would rather have Cordero Patterson running those routes, to be honest with you. If it's going to be those quick little digs, get the ball out and get it into his hands, I'd rather see Cordero Patterson in those situations. On the defensive side of the ball, Jalen Johnson had an interesting game. I want to hear your thought because it seemed like he was being targeted, a little exploited at times, but he was able to come up and make a couple of plays. What did you see from Jalen Johnson today? Jalen Johnson had an interesting game because this is the first time that, I mean, early on in the season, teams were targeting him and kind of trying to pick on him because he was the rookie, but he really rose to the occasion. And today, it, well, that wasn't so much the case. And he didn't play a terrible game, but you could tell that they were definitely going at him early on. Obviously, like there, there was a little bit of a little bit of an issue, you know. Uh, definitely seemed like the Panthers felt like they could pick on him and take advantage of him. And, you know, he was playing, uh, giving his respects to uh, these Panthers receivers and their speed and trying to, you know, obviously give them the respect that they are due. But, yeah, he, he seemed like a little bit of a liability early on. And I was looking at the stats beforehand, and Jalen Johnson was tied for second in the NFL with pass, uh, passes deflected. And he comes up with that big one in the first quarter. But you're right. Looked like the speed kind of gave him some trouble at some times. They were kind of picking on him a little bit. What was your take on that P.I. call that set up a Mike Davis touchdown that brought it to, I believe, 20 to 13 at the time? Because personally, I thought that was kind of a Halloween call, a phantom. <laughs> That's tough. I I wish there were less penalties called. I just I wish there were, I, there were fewer penalties. But, I mean, I was, honestly, there are so many touch – PIs that I'm like, honestly, I can justify that. I can see that. You know what I mean? It'd be one thing if they didn't make calls all game and then all of a sudden that happened and they did that. But we see PIs all the time. seems like every time there's a ball thrown onto the end zone, there's a PI call. And so, I mean, it was tough. He got his arm pinned down. I would have liked to have seen that, you know, just let him play, let him play. But, but I mean, I can see it. I can see it. I don't know one way or the other, but I, I get what the officials are coming from on it. Yeah, final one on the Zebras. Just another pick six overturned in a Bears season. What is that, the third time this year that we've had a touchdown ripped off the board? Just completely thwarting my fantasy prospects this week right now. I had thought first it was going to be on Kyle Fuller. Looks like they called a personal foul. You know, I, that looked pretty ticky-tack to me. What did you see on that call? It is, it is so tough seeing this happen every single time. I don't know that – I mean, it wasn't tipped – 
and I guess Kyle Fuller came through the man early, I guess. But again, it, that's a close play, and it's unfortunate that this happens every single week. And the, the thing that I want to comment on that sequence was the roller coaster of emotions that we went on as Bears fans. What was it? We went from what? What? How? How did the sequence even go? We went from the fumble recovery, and then we come out and we throw the INT. Yes. And then we think we have a pick six, and we don't get it. That I, that all happened in like two minutes. For two minutes, I just sat there like this, mouth wide open, just couldn't believe any of it. I don't. I mean, being a Bears fan is just wild. It is just wild because I'm I'm so I'm in like a constant state of like. Yeah, maybe, maybe things are good, but I'm also like really like on the on, underneath all of it. Like, uh, I don't know if I feel good at all. Word to the wise for Bears fans: Anytime Eddie Jackson does anything good for the rest of the season, just stay, keep your eyes on the TV screen because chances are there's going to be a banana on the field and it's going to somehow come back. It's just well, same with Kyle Fuller. He the the guy makes textbook textbook plays that like we review every single week. He's it's unreal. It's unreal. It just speaks a little bit more to, I mean, we had takeaways today and those were kept off the board. I mean, the, the Bears defense continues to make plays and slowly but surely there's more and more of those big time plays coming each and every single week heading into a tougher schedule. It's just trending in a good direction right now for them because there's going to be some really good offenses they're going to be facing in the next couple of weeks. Yeah, and when you see a, when you see them come out and play well against a team like Carolina who had an okay offense and they've got some big playmakers, but they came out and they performed well. It is a good sign of uh, of the trajectory of things to come that you know they can go come out and take care of uh, of the Panthers and ultimately I would say win the game for the Bears. They they were definitely the better of the two or I guess the three phases of the game. So we're gonna need you to continue to to play that way to give us chances when these better opponents uh, come into our crosshairs. This Bears defense, you know, Teddy Bridgewater, 16 of 29 passes, just a little bit over 50%. That's about in line with what the Bears have been doing. They held the Panthers to 3 of 13 on third down. Bears converted 7 of 14. That was also a big part of the game, too, as well. And this Bears defense, you know, if you look up the stats, opponents' completion percentage against the Bears, they're right at the top of the list. Bears on third down, right at the top of the list. I mean, this is... These are actual these are actual stats now. We're starting to see a pattern, and this is just a really great great news for the Bears moving forward. As again, they're going to play the Rams next week, Titans, Saints, Packers two more times. We got some offenses coming up. I think the other great thing to take away from the defense though is that obviously we've seen we've we talked so much about the defensive line. I don't want to hit on that too much. And we other talk than, a little bit other than Khalil Mack sacking a guy with one hand. Can we bring that He's... one up real quick? <laughs> He's not bad. He's not bad. That's impressive. They're awesome. They're an awesome group. They've been awesome. The secondary has definitely come along and emerged as, I mean, as being as good as we thought they could be, even though we had some question marks early on, but they've been excellent. But the big part that stood out to me this week was linebacker play. Roquan Smith has continued to be an absolute force, but Danny, Danny Trevathan's coming around. I think he's playing a lot better. I don't know if there was a little bit injured or banged up early on, but he just seems to be quicker, seems to be getting to the ball faster, getting off blocks better. I believe he had 10 tackles today, so definitely trending in the right direction. I like what I'm seeing uh, from this defense. I mean, I, I think that I like them on all fronts, and I'm, you know, I think that this is the time that we need them to be up and ready to go, and so I'm excited about that phase of this Bears team. 
Yeah, we've been giving Danny Trevathan a hard time all season long, but yeah, he played great today, especially in the running game. I just like that every time he tackled someone, it looks like he punished somebody and just gave him a little something to think about. Sure, you know, late in the game, I think Cannon beat him a little bit in the passing game there for a big score, but, you know, that'll happen every once in a while. Running backs on linebackers, the running back is supposed to win typically on those type of plays, but I thought Trevathan played great. Khalil Mack with the one-handed, the one-handed sack again. You know, balls tipped in the air, secondary guys flying around, Kyle Fuller's tackling everybody, and then, of course, the interception to end the game to ice it. Cameron, it's that time. I want to hear your grade for the offensive line in week six. The grade for the offensive line in week six. I got to come out and give the guys a B-. minus. I think that's really where the Bears are at. I think that uh, this group is fine. I don't think they're stellar. I think that they're going to get a lot of crap from a lot of people. Um, But when they come out... And, you know, there's 23 points on the board. They ended up with uh, 58 yards rushing, I believe it was, for uh, for David Montgomery. They were able to pass the ball, I believe, 200 yards passing or just about. So, you know, they're putting up okay offense and not too many penalties. There was a few early on. So B minus, they're, they're fine. They're not bugging me at this point, but definitely room for improvement. Yeah, if I can place my tongue into my cheek for a second here. They haven't hit their zenith yet, Cameron. They haven't hit their, their, they haven't gone to the top of the mountain. And I know we're playing a guy named Aaron Donald next week on Monday Night Football. So, Who? Aaron Donald, um, <laughs> you, should, you should look him up. Yeah, he's got two, he's got two first names. He's one of those weird guys. But I'm, you know, I'm just hoping that eventually the more time, the more reps, the more that they can make incremental progress week to week, perhaps they can give ourselves a chance next week against the Rams defensive line that, is definitely going to be a huge challenge, and I'm smelling it perhaps coming up on Cam's keys next week. Good, just go ahead and pencil that in. That segment's <laughs> coming. That, that that segment's coming up. It's on the whiteboard. It's on the whiteboard. I already wrote it. <laughs> you know, Cameron. Last couple of weeks, you know, the the Bears are not five and one. They're six games in. I think a lot of what everyone's been dealing with is, you know, who this Bears team is. Just trying to put our finger on the pulse. I want to hear your thoughts because, in general, I'm kind of going to jump off that bandwagon for a little while it's not that i don't need to know who this bears team is but i think we get a good sense of them right now is that they're going to be in every game they're going to have an offense that i think will show up in the past i think it'd be like is this offense going to show up at all now i think this offense will show up the question will be moving forward can they do enough given their particular opponent to win a football game but i think this bears team is going to be competitive in every game that they're going to have a shot to win at every single one and sitting at five and one right now, they could be sitting in first place by the time the good people are listening to this pod uh, tomorrow morning. Cause we're taping this right after the game. We were about 30 minutes after, after the final bell. I, if I had to go out there and, and try and put my finger on what the Chicago bears team is, I would say they're, they're a very good defense. They're an elite level defense and elite level defenses typically give you the opportunity to be in game. So I think that's something we can count on. I think the offense is subpar. I, I think that that's really where we're at. You know, we've we kind of tried to gas it up early on. Hey, maybe that there's this, there's this and that. They're not. We got enough sample size. They're not that. But they're fine. You know, I think if they have if they have an A plus defense and a C plus offense, I think they can be in almost any game. That's and that's where we're at. If, and it's going to depend a lot on who they're playing offensively from week to week. But when they go against teams that they can manhandle uh, on the defensive side of the ball and score points and put the offense in good opportunities, I think they will win those games. 
And so we, they do they do have a great schedule. Uh, they have a tough schedule for their for I mean basically the remainder. There's not a lot of gimmies left on the schedule, but they're already at five wins, which is a which is a great place to be. So you know I'm not gonna. I think we've we've done that thing that trope for so long this whole season. Who are the Bears? Who are the Bears? I think we know now. They are they're a really good defense. They're a subpar offense, and they have a chance to win most of the games because that defense is so good. And I think we've begun to see a blueprint over the last two or three weeks of this Bears defense against any offense is capable of holding a team under 20 points. The the goal for a Bears offense every single game is not to get to 25 to 30. It's to get to 20 and over. So Bears fans listening to the pod, get ready for a lot of 21-18 game score predictions, a lot of 23-20 from me and Cameron moving forward. And here's another one that I think is probably coming down the pipe is I think a lot of Bears fans who don't get an opportunity to watch the rest of the games in the NFL because they're just dialed into their team, which is very fair. They're going to look at this game and and they're going to be like, well, you know what? The good teams step on the opponent's neck and they blow them out and they shut it down. Well, guess what, you guys? Look around the NFL in 2020. You know, the Ravens were just up by 20 points and the Eagles came back. You know, there's the Titans were up by a ton and they almost they, they almost lost their game to the Texans. This is the NFL this year. Every single game, barring maybe one or two here and there, every single game in the NFL is going to be close this year. Every single game is probably going to be within the three to seven points. It is not an indictment on the Bears and what they can or can't do in the second half. These are how football games are played. There's a lot of uh, parody is a derogatory word, but I do think that there's a lot of evenly matched football teams out here that can compete with each other. And this is just where we are as an NFL season. This isn't just about the Bears. I want to say another thing is that the NFL is geared to offense. The NFL is geared toward points and passing and you know high scoring. And so the that makes the Bears seem like they don't belong, you know, because they, they it does. They don't. They don't fit the mold. They don't have Patrick Mahomes. They don't have Lamar Jackson. They don't have these guys that go out there and put up incredible numbers. And so you look at their stat line every week and you go, oh, they're eking out another victory. That's not necessarily fair. Uh, they're just they're, – that's not who they're going to be. That will never be who they are. And uh, they, I think they deserve to be in the conversation, maybe not in the elite, elite conversation, but they're in the conversation of good teams because they do it on the defensive side of the ball and they're kind of breaking the mold. They are outliers – in this league, they are a defense first win with their defense. They ride and die with the success of their defense football team, and that's okay. And also, not to say that we're Super Bowl bound or anything, it's week six, but also, who are the types of teams that are left standing at the end of the year? Look at what the 49ers did going to the Super Bowl. You know, great, they had a lot of different running backs. But would you necessarily categorize them as an elite offense, that they were explosive? Look at what the Titans did last year, too, as well. You know, there's that blueprint that the Bears are trying to recreate right now that can have long-term success. Sure, is it going to be ugly and frustrating at times? Yes. Do we want Pat, Do we want a quarterback to throw for 450 and four scores every week? Yeah, for sure, but it's time to sort of come to grips with who this team is. It looks a lot like Bears fans, the Bears teams that you've known and loved for the last 15 to 20 years. So this should be an easy transition for you where it is time to just get really excited when the Bears are on defense and just cross your fingers when the Bears are on offense. I think part of that that is hard for the Bears fans to come to grips with is that that was kind of the whole promise of the Matt Nagy era, wasn't it? Is that we're going to bring in this offensive-minded coach, we're going to bring in all these weapons, we're going to do this and that. And ultimately, nothing really changed. I mean, there's been a – I guess in 2018, maybe they were a little bit better offensively, 
But for the most part, this is still an old-school, hard-nosed Chicago Bears defensive-based team. And like I said before, they will live and die by the defenses. The offense is fine. The offenses don't lose. The defenses win. That's really – that's the mindset. And whatever. I mean, if they're, they're six games in, they're five, they got five wins under the belt, maybe that's enough. And in terms of Matt Nagy, just in general, you can either believe the theory that in Matt Nagy's mind, he's got all these amazing play calls that he just can't call because his defense is too amazing, his quarterback situation isn't exactly the way that he wants it to be, and his running back offensive line combo maybe isn't the way that he wants it to be. Or you can just believe that this is just you know who he is as a play caller, as inconsistent as perhaps the players that try and execute the plays that he calls. It's hard. I mean, you got to think that even even coaches maybe go through uh, go through phases and have good stretches and bad stretches. I, whatever it is, right now, they're done with the run. They they've gone to a conservative style passing game, and it's boring as hell. It is absolutely boring as hell. There are no shots being taken. As long as the defense continues to step up and play in that way and and give them an opportunity, then who cares? Cameron Bears win 23 to 16 in week six over the Carolina Panthers. They are now five and one. It feels good. And now we are going to get ready for a big primetime matchup on Monday night against the Rams in Los Angeles. But until then, Cameron, take us home on another great pod today. You've been listening to the Believe in Bears podcast on the Believe Podcast Network. Make sure you guys give us a like, a subscribe. Go ahead and uh, check out all the other Believe podcasts while you're at it. A lot of great content being produced. Go ahead and check out uh, Betting Chicago. Joey Christopoulos. Man, great content. Got to make sure that you're checking all that out. And uh, shout-outs to Grandma. Shout-outs to uh, Eddie Pinero's groin. <laughs> Always remember to bear down. G-R-O-I-N. You have been listening to the Believe in Bears podcast on the Believe Podcast Network. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.